Welcome to the News Flash. My name is Sayer Devlin, and I am a news editor for Washington Square News. This is WSN's weekly podcast in which we break down a few of the most interesting stories happening in and around NYU's campus. Our first story traces the origin of the white nationalist posters found in Kimmel a few weeks ago. They belong to Identity Europa, a white nationalist hate group. Joining me now is Deputy News Editor Caroline Haskins, who's been reporting on the story for the past few weeks now. Uh, hi, Sayer. Thanks for having me. So what what is Identity Europa, and when did they first kind of appear on campus? So Identity Europa is a white nationalist hate group. They've been covered by uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. They're a known entity across the country. Over the past couple months, they've been undergoing a campaign called uh, Hashtag Project Siege. Uh, this Project Siege consists of putting up advertising flyers to join the group um, across campuses around the country. It's unclear how effective this campaign has been about getting people to join Identity Europa, but the response to these flyers has caused somewhat of a panic on the campuses on which they've appeared, and NYU is one of these campuses. When did the flyers first appear in Kimmel? So the flyers first appeared on September 26th, and this was the day of uh, an event by a group called the Propertarian Institute. While the Propertarian Institute isn't officially associated with Identity Europa, certain members of the Propertarian Institute, including panelists and people who attended the event, are associated with Identity Europa in unofficial ways. Uh, for example, one of the panelists' name is Tom Sunik, and he follows and retweets Identity Europa consistently on Twitter. Um, so on the day of this event, September 26th, flyers were put up on the second floor of Kimmel outside the marketplace on the rental lockers that's a few feet from the entrance to the dining hall. Uh, they were also put up in a conference room, and this is most likely Kimmel room 912, which, which is where the Propertarian Institute event occurred, but it's unclear um, because the pictures of the flyers in the conference room were distributed by Identity Europa's personal Twitter page. What is the Propertarian Institute? What do they believe in? The Propertarian Institute defines themselves in very abstract and vague terms on their website, but the bottom line is they're an Anglo-conservative think tank, and they value uh, Western supremacy, so-called Enlightenment ideas, and a so-called scientific approach to politics and philosophy. But the real way to learn about what the Propertarian Institute is, is to learn about the individuals that they approach and the other organizations that they're loosely and unofficially associated with. Here's Tom Sunik, a writer for the white supremacist publication The Occidental Observer, telling Propertarian Institute founder Kurt Doolittle about how he defines democracy and human rights during the roundtable event. When we toss around those academic words like human rights, democracy, and all those lacrimose effusions that our politicians and many unfortunately well, I mean, there's, 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 enjoy there's and indulge in, convenient we got to know exactly too, the historical speech. context. We got to know exactly who we're talking about yes. and what is his drama. We got to know his gene pool as well. So what's wrong about studying someone's gene pool as well? So those are the issues we need precisely and again, as I said, empirically verified. And based on that, then we can start talking about human rights or abstract human rights. How did the Propertarian Institute get access to NYU rooms if they weren't affiliated with NYU? See, Kimmel policy today states that 
any third party is not allowed to make a room reservation in NYU. You have to have an official tie to an NYU department, organization, or some aspect of the NYU administration. Um, but this wasn't the case a couple of months ago. Um, in fact, this rule only changed on October 3rd in response to the Propertarian Institute event. So it's unclear exactly when the Propertarian Institute made their reservation in Kimmel, but the bottom line is they reserved Kimmel room 912 from uh, I believe 10.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., um, and this was for a roundtable discussion event. But the thing is, they didn't reserve it under the customer name of the Propertarian Institute. They reserved it under a name called Seattle Commercial Fitness, and we were unable to verify whether Seattle Commercial Fitness actually exists, but the bottom line is, it's not the Propertarian Institute. In fact, the only mention of the Propertarian Institute is in the event title, which includes terms like the Propertarian Institute, the Frankfurt School, all terms that are extremely abstract and don't directly tell the person viewing the room reservation that it's a white supremacist organization. So it would have been very easy for anyone arbitrarily looking over the room reservation to just scroll right by it and not realize that it was a white supremacist organization. What happened at the event and who was involved? The event was a roundtable discussion with panelists that include Ricardo Duchenne, Tom Sunick, Kevin McDonald, and Kurt Doolittle. Kurt Doolittle is the head founder of the Propertarian Institute. Um, and all the other panelists write for explicitly uh, white supremacist publications. Uh, Duchenne writes for the Council of European Americans, which is a Canadian publication whose goal is to preserve the ethnic composition and cultural character of the country. And if you just do a quick scroll through the website, it's pretty explicitly white supremacist content. And Tom Sunick writes for The Occidental Observer, which Kevin McDonald edits. And the mission of The Occidental Observer is to promote white identity, interests, and culture. And Tom Sunick actually wrote a book called The Titans Are in Town, which was sold at the event. He didn't clarify how many copies were sold, but it's a series of essays that talks about how endless interracial chaos uh, quote from the book description, has made Europe a dystopia and how the Titans need to come back and rescue Europe from this multiracial chaos. I know NYU alumnus Jason Giorgiani was scheduled to appear at the event. How was he involved? Right. So Jason Giorgiani uh, agreed to be a panelist at the event back in July when uh, event planning first started happening. Uh, Jason Giorgiani is a co-founder of altright.com and Arctos Media, and these are pretty much the primary media outlets for the far-right and alt-right movements. And he stepped down as a panelist for the event at some point before the event, but it's unclear exactly when. Uh, the head of the Propertarian Institute said it was at the last minute, but Giorgiani said it was uh, in mid-August when he resigned from altright.com and Arctos Media. So walk me through what happened and when. September 26th was the day of the Propertarian Institute event and the day that the flyers went up. September 27th was when the flyers were found by a freshman student and turned into student senator Juan Calero. Um, that same day, the Department of Public Safety opened up an investigation into the origin of the flyers. Uh, September 28th, um, Identity Europa issued a tweet that featured people putting up the flyers and also holding event tickets for the Propertarian Institute event. 
And that same day, September 28th, there was an emergency rally held in Washington Square Park, uh, rejecting the flyers and other Nazi and white supremacist philosophies. Um, on October 3rd, the Department of Public Safety investigation concluded, and they found that um, people who were at the Propertarian Institute event had put up the Identity Europa flyers, and that these individuals weren't associated with NYU. And they used security camera footage to aid their investigation. And on October 5th, the NYU student government issued a statement acknowledging that the Propertarian Institute had an event, that NYU rejects white supremacy, Nazism, and European and European colonialism, and that NYU event policies have changed as a result of the Propertarian Institute event, meaning that no third party can now make a reservation in Kimmel or other NYU buildings. What else do we need to know about the Propertarian Institute and the event that happened at NYU? So prior to looking into this, it was unclear who exactly put up the Identity Europa flyers and whether they were students, whether they were faculty. And now we know that they weren't students or faculty, and we know that they were here to attend an event. And we also know that NYU changed its event policies in response to finding out that white supremacists had an event in its building. So it's extremely unlikely that something like this will happen again. But the bottom line is white supremacists were able to pay their way to reserve a room in an NYU building and put up flyers that caused a wave of panic on campus. If you want more context for what was said at the Propertarian Institute Roundtable discussion in Kimmel, we'll provide a link for the full two-hour video in the description below. Caroline, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Joining me for our second story today is Mac DeGarren, who has spent the last few weeks reporting on issues of academic freedom and access into NYU's Abu Dhabi campus. Mac, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. What have you learned since we last talked three weeks ago, Mac? So when we last spoke, um, WSN had just written a story about a visa denial for Professor Mohammed Bazi. Um, he had had his visa denied trying to teach a journalism course in the NYU Abu Dhabi uh, campus. He believes that the reason for his denial was because of his uh, Shia Muslim religion. Um, since then, we had another case come forward of a professor in the Middle Eastern Studies Department um, named Orang Keshavarzian, who also believes that he was discriminated either because of his religious background or because of his studies that were critical of the UAE government. Um, since then, there was several groups that have come out speaking against um, these visa denials. So some of the groups that have come out against uh, these visa denials have been the Middle Eastern um, Studies Association, which is a group of uh, academic scholars and professors from NYU and across the nation, as well as the American Association of University Professors um, and the Middle Eastern Studies Department here at NYU. What have these groups' criticisms been? So the main thing that all of these groups have had in common was that they felt the university has not responded properly to these visa denials and other instances of, uh, of whether it's violations to academic research or violations to travel. Um, they don't think that the university has come out strongly enough in condemning uh, these restrictions placed by the UAE government. And how has NYU responded to these criticisms? 
Well, so we hadn't heard anything for several weeks. Um, WSN had made repeated attempts to talk to uh, administrators at NYU, administrators at NYU Abu Dhabi, and uh, public affairs officials. Um, but this last week, President Andrew Hamilton wrote a letter addressed to the Middle Eastern S uh, Studies Association directly, where he addressed some of the issues uh, that these groups have raised. What did the letter say? So President Hamilton starts the letter um, by saying that he agrees with some of the main points that um, these groups are, are making. Um, he agrees that uh, he says he's troubled by these, uh, the UAE, UAE's decision to, to bar uh, these professors who, for all intents and purposes, are in good standing um, and are both tenured. But at the same time, he disagreed with the assumption and the claim that these visa denials were an example of academic freedom violations. What did the letter say? Well, so on a few key issues, President Hamilton said that he agreed with uh, some of the groups that were speaking out. Um, he agreed that he thought it was troubling that the UAE government was revoking certain people's visas. However, he differed on some key points. And one of the issues President Hamilton stood his ground on was about making public statements. Um, Hamilton said, and I'm quoting, the university sees broad policies being implemented, but he differed on the criticism that NYU should make a stronger public response. Uh, in his letter, and I'm quoting now, Hamilton said that the university will make a response when it sees broad policies being implemented that are antithetical to its philosophy on global mobility. When he says this, he's referring to some of the statements that have recently been made uh, condemning actions by the Trump administration, whether it's the deferral of DACA or the recent travel bans. Um, but when it comes to situations like this in Abu Dhabi, Hamilton says that NYU's approach to specific individuals differs. Um, in these situations, Hamilton said that the university intends to solve the problem by making appeals to the appropriate parties in that country rather than making a public statement as a whole university. Do we know what any of those specific appeals to appropriate parties are, or have we not been told that? So we haven't been told that. Um, we have asked, uh, we asked several weeks ago, uh, public affairs spokesman John Beckman what these details ensue. Um, but he was not willing to divulge the information at the time. Um, we also spoke to, when we spoke to Professor Bozzi, he mentioned that he had been told by NYU administrators that they were pursuing this through the necessary channels, um, but he was not told what those were either. So is this an issue of academic freedom on the ground at NYU's Abu Dhabi campus or more an issue of access into the campus? Well, so it's a little tricky. You know, as we have been researching this more and been talking to more people, it's pretty clear that for a certain group of professors and students, the issue is definitely getting into Abu Dhabi itself, right? When students are able to, like, do get, when, when students are able to get a visa and do pass the security clearance, when they're in the Abu Dhabi campus, it appears that 
academic pursuits and daily life function very similar to as the way they do here but the problem is is that if you are saying something that's contrary to the UAE government if you are of a certain background um, then we have seen in our recent coverage that through both these professors and other students in the past that it's a very real possibility that those academic pursuits you may be able to pursue in Abu Dhabi you may not have the security clearance to get there in the first place how have these accusations been received by people at NYU Abu Dhabi, people studying and living there? Well, so the response from students and faculty in Abu Dhabi has been significantly different than the response here at NYU. Here we've had not just Professor Bazian Keshavarzian speaking out about their visa denials, but you've also had the MESA, you've had AUP, and you've had a variety of other professors here at NYU taking a pretty united stance against what they see are violations of academic freedom. However, when we spoke to professors in NYU Abu Dhabi, their reaction was much different. Um, in the le latest piece, uh, we spoke to Philip Kennedy, who's a professor of, in the Department of Middle Eastern and Islamic Studies in NYU AD, and he rejected the claim of academic freedom entirely. He, uh, when asked if he was nervous at all about the government intervening in his studies, like they did with Professor uh, Ross several years ago, he discounted the accusation as something that was completely unfounded. This is also um, goes hand in hand with uh, the Gazelle, the NYUAD's student newspaper, denied any claims of academic freedom violations. So really the response has been really different from professors and students at, in Abu Dhabi and those in New York. Thanks so much, Mac. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to our audio engineer, Tom Muratello, and to Caroline Haskins and Mac DeGaron for providing content for today's podcast. My name is Sayer Devlin. Thank you for listening to the Newsflash. Tune in next week.